Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's get it. Let's get it. Happy New Year. This is the Car Session Sports Report bringing you the first session of the new year. And I know my consistent listeners are like, where the hell have you been? Well, you know. I've been a little busy, personal matters, school matters, it's been a lot going on the past couple of months, so I've been neglecting you guys, and for that I'm sorry, I had projects, family matters, relationship matters, a lot going on. Then my birthday rolled around. Then the semester wanted to drag on an extra week. My professor had the audacity to extend the semester beyond Christmas, although the last day was the 21st. But when it was all said and done, I got everything done. I had a couple of production projects to do where I was out here filming people, editing, using Final Cut. You know, I was out here being a world-class student, if I say so myself. A lot of people was probably thinking car sessions was finished. But you cannot finish greatness Car Sessions is great For those who've been listening to Car Sessions Since its inception Late in 2014 They know When you listen to this podcast In any kind of version of this podcast You're getting high quality Pure uncut Sports talk We're not giving you agendas We're not giving you tight suits with stupid looking ties And cornballs trying to be cool We're giving you real factual sports talk Sometimes real opinionated sports talk But that's what we do I say we because Car Sessions is a family I have a slew of people who join the show They come in, they give their takes It's high quality takes from all over the nation I got my man Rude Dog out in Pittsburgh I got my man Chris from Blue Collar Sports out in LA The homie JD in Ohio Marcus Lamar out in Maryland Car Sessions is all over the United States So when I say we, you're like this is a one man show What do you mean we? We because there's a lot of us, you know, Car Sessions is my show, but it's a platform for all podcasters. Can't forget TJ. TJ has his own show. So what you saying? He's a Car Session correspondent. It's a lot of us. So, you know, for the new listeners out there, this is what Car Sessions is all about. We do this. High quality, pure, unfiltered, non-agended. That's not a word, but we're using it. Sports talk And the first Topic of tonight's podcast Or today or whenever this podcast Meets you Is this whole I want to say Non-story of New York Giants receivers uh, Odell Beckham Sterling Shepard Victor Cruz Roger Lewis Partying with Trey Songs And Justin Bieber After the last game of the regular season. So you got all of these old school sports fans talking about, oh my God, how could they be out here, you know, partying on a boat in Miami? They're supposed to be in the playoffs next week. Oh my God. All of these sports purists who think that their favorite athletes are robots 
who sit in a dark room <laughs> with a flashlight and stare at their playbook all week long until game time have to understand that these players have lives too. It's not like you found Odell Beckham and company in Miami on a yacht on Thursday before Sunday's game in the middle of a, I guess we'll call it a work week. These men were in Miami literally on their off day. Right after the game that Odell Beckham only played a half of, the man was on a boat with his teammates on their off day. They didn't have practice until Tuesday. Why is this a story? Oh, I know why. Because the sports purists believe that their favorite their favorite athletes, excuse me, are in a dark room with a flashlight, looking at their playbooks or watching film or, or, or something related to the game they're gonna play. No, you have to be realistic, everyone. It's 2016. Oh, excuse me. It is a new year. It's 2017. Our favorite athletes do more than play sports. They're socialites. They're family men. They're personalities for their own sport. Look at Brandon Marshall. He does inside the NFL during the regular season. And nobody has a problem with that. He is a media personality and a wide receiver. These guys have lives. And when you know that word that gets thrown around a lot, millennials. A lot of these new players today are millennials. So a lot of the things that they do, much of the things that they do, they do via cell phone. You see, if you follow Odell Beckham on any social media platform, you see what he does. You know, everything is on Snapchat. Everything is on Instagram. He kind of neglects Twitter to a certain degree, but he's on Twitter as well. He He highlights his life through these platforms. So you had a whole three-season sample to understand what Odell Beckham is about. So now, you have to find the issue because it doesn't fit with the narrative of the athlete. But what what, what a guy like Odell Beckham does is that he he, he, he counteracts all of your arguments by producing on the field. If Odell Beckham wasn't balling out how he was balling out, a lot of you would have a field day with this whole boat shot. You guys have tried your hardest in these three seasons to make Odell Beckham and company the second coming of Terrell Owens or Terrell Owens, depending on how you want to pronounce his name. You've tried your damnest. You tried to make everything he does a story. When all Odell Beckham is, is a highly special, highly talented wide receiver who is extremely emotional. And maybe a little spoiled and coddled. I don't know the man. So I'm not going to put that on him like most would. But he might be a little spoiled. But really he might just. I think he's a little crazy. And hyper competitive. So now the latest Odell Beckham gate. Is him and his boys as wide receivers. Shirtless on a yacht. I mean I find the shirtless nature of the picture a little weird. That's my issue with the picture. Not that they're even on the boat. Why are all these guys on a boat. I don't see no girls and everybody's shirtless. Where Where the ladies at? Sterling Shaggart had a, had a shirt wrapped around his waist with some slightly fitted jeans and a shirt off. That looked a little shaky to me. I'm not homophobic, but what I'm just trying to say is, is that that's what the vibe was giving off to me. That these guys, you know, they might like guys. So what if they do? That's besides the point. But that's what I'm just trying to say to you is that they were trying to give off cool and I got a, a vibe of corny. 
<laughs> and a little shaky. And then I saw a video with them doing formation dances in, in the Redskins end zone before the game. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, this is kind of corny. But that's OG me because I'm old now. You know, <laughs> I got to say that I'm old. I'm not I'm not young. I'm not a millennial. You know, I, I'm an old head. So these little things, they, they make me feel some type of way. Like I, I find it to be corny. But to make this a story. To make this news where, oh, they're on a boat and they have a playoff game. Oh, huh. they have a playoff game a week later. Seven whole days. Oh, Tony Romo and Jason Witten went to Cabo oh, on a bye week. Look, Tony Romo and Jason Witten got beat because they got beat that year. The Giants were destined to become world champions. It didn't matter. Tony Romo could have stayed right in Dallas and they would have still gotten beaten that year. Odell Beckham and his crew having a little fun on a day off. No reports came out about them being late to practice or missing a meeting. Let's move on. This is not a story, everyone. Knock it off. I'm hearing a lot of MVP chatter for Tom Brady. You know, he missed four games. He had his Nick Foles season, you know, 28 touchdowns to two interceptions. Oh, this is so amazing. When Nick Foles did 29 and two a couple years ago. Oh, this is so amazing. It's history making. All right. Tom Brady is great. We don't need to lob on more Tom Brady love. He's a four-time champion. He's been to six Super Bowls. He's the greatest of all time. I don't care if you disagree. Oh, Joe Montana. Joe Montana. I grew up in, I grew up in the 70s. I was a teenager in the 80s. Joe Montana. Tom Brady is the GOAT. All right? <laughs> He's the GOAT. Tom Brady. Well, what more does he have to do? Huh? But with all that being said... Everything that I just laid out there, all his greatness, he might just be the MVP. But my question is, why isn't Odell Beckham in the MVP conversation? I don't hear anybody talking about Odell as the MVP. Oh, he's just a wide receiver. Yeah, I know. I know he plays wide receiver. But if you take Odell Beckham off the New York Giants, there is no playoffs. No playoffs whatsoever. You think about the season Eli Manning has had. A season that some some Eli fan, Manning fans or naysayers have greatly overstated. For as bad as some people find Eli Manning to be, still threw 26 touchdowns against 16 inceptions. Considering what Eli Manning has established as a standard for bad, it could have been way worse than that. So 26 touchdowns and 16 interceptions with inept play calling from, from McAdoo. Eli Manning wasn't that bad. But when you consider Eli Manning, for the most part, was aight. He was average. And the plays that Odell Beckham made, it's not like Eli Manning was dropping dimes. A lot of old Odell Beckham's big plays came with the, with, with the yards after the catch. A lot of yak. I was getting stuck in there. I was trying to say yak or yards after the catch, and I started to stutter. Y'all heard that, right? <laughs> but the fact remains is that most of Odell Beckham's touchdowns came where he made plays after making the reception. It's not like in the past where you have great quarterback dropping down the wide receiver, wide receiver scores touchdowns. Most of Odell Beckham's plays come off what? A couple of out and ups, some slants, some, some square ins, you know. 
It's not like Eli Manning was putting him in positions to be successful. Odell Beckham, more often than not, made plays after the catch. So why isn't he in the MVP discussion? That's my question. Why is no one putting Odell Beckham in the MVP conversation? He is the Giants' most valuable player. Outside of maybe Landon Collins, who could be in that conversation. But when it's all said and done, no Odell, no 11-5, and five, no playoffs. Eli Manning has a, a, a probably horrific season. Odell Beckham caught half of the 26 touchdowns Eli Manning threw this season. How is he not in the MVP conversation? Why must this only be a quarterback's award? Odell Beckham, for all intents and purposes, is the MVP this year. When you strip it all down to his core, the Patriots are 3-1 without Tom Brady. Garoppolo looked pretty good before he got hurt. Brissett probably wouldn't have kept it up, but Garoppolo would have kept it up. Garoppolo probably was playing himself into being Matt Castle 2.0, who went 11-5 after the undefeated season. So if you ask me, and yes, I like Odell Beckham. I'm a Giants fan. So some of you are going to say, oh, you're just being a fan. You're standing for Odell. But when you really strip it down to its core, we're talking about valuable. Who's more valuable to their team that's in the playoffs if it's not Aaron Rodgers? If it's not Aaron Rodgers, it's Odell Beckham. He caught half the touchdowns that a quarterback having an average season through. Most of those 13 touchdowns came by way of yards after the catch where he caught a short pass and took it to the house. Odell Beckham has to be top three in the MVP discussion. If he's not, then I question the integrity of that award. Staying with the wide receiver topic. I saw a post on the internet because, you know, I like to, you know, where we going with car sessions is because sports is a living and breathing thing that has so many different outlets for, for information. I saw something on the internet today where Jarvis Landry says he doesn't believe that there's a corner alive or there will ever be a corner alive that can cover him. And I was like, that's interesting. You know, I, I like the confidence. You know, the old school sports fans who who, grew, who, <laughs> who were born in the 70s or the 60s and grew up in the 80s might find him to be cocky. But listen, we, li- we live in a different time. He's just confident. He believes that no one can cover him. And I respect that. I can't knock his hustle. But it got me to thinking about the current landscape of the NFL. And, and I, the wide receiver... Even though the running back is making a comeback, I, I, I'll give the running back position that. But the wide receiver position means more than it ever has at any point in the position's history. So I'm wondering with all these good wide receivers, is it a matter of are these wide receivers that good? With, or are they just a simple product of modern NFL culture? Because the game is a little softer. I'm not going to say get off my lawn when it comes to the NFL and I want guys getting clothesline over the middle. But it is what it is. The game has gotten a little softer. Much like the NBA where the rules of the game have freed up the point guard to be more devastating than any other time in the league's history. Are these wide receivers that good? Or is it just a product of current NFL? I don't have the answer. That's a question I'm posing to you guys. Y'all can hit me up on Facebook for for my Facebook listeners. Y'all can, y'all can write under this post. Let me know what y'all think. 
on Twitter, Chet underscore Howard, hit me up, tell me what you think. Are the wide receivers of the current NFL that good, or much of them just a product of modern NFL culture? The softer game, the more spaced out game, the rules that that benefit the wide receivers. Can 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 a matter of fact, that's an obvious question. I, I'll simplify it. Can the elite wide receivers of this era, the Julio Joneses, the Odell Beckhams, the Antonio Browns, the list goes on, would they be successful in any other era or a more physical era of the NFL? That's my question that I have for y'all. I want y'all to stew on that and let me know. I'm not 100% sure. I want some opinions. Maybe we could trade some information and go back and forth on that. I like I like I like sports debates if you couldn't tell by now. I'm not going to keep you guys too long. I'm probably going to be in here, you know, between 15 and 20 minutes. I just wanted to start the new year off for the session. Get the ball back rolling. NFL playoffs is around the corner. I'm going to be doing a a Giants playoff preview slash NFL playoff preview later on this week. Two sessions this week because, you know, it's, it's been a while. I missed you guys. And, you know, I know y'all missed me. And, and I'm not going to neglect you like that anymore. But, you know, when life happens, I got to make moves. I want to talk about the Big Ten Conference. The Big Ten Conference this season, you know, a lot of hype. A whole lot of hype about the Big Ten College Football Conference. Oh, the Big Ten. The Big Ten and the Big Ten. The best conference in the nation. And I sat back. I watched a lot of their games. And I, and, and I wasn't impressed. I wasn't impressed at all. And I sat back and I'm like, what are you guys talking about? You know what I mean? And then I got roasted on Twitter. I got attacked on Twitter, bro. When I made one comment, one simple comment, that Michigan being in the championship discussion was one of the biggest atrocities of college football in terms of championship discussions. I wish I could find that tweet, but I tweet so much that I got to paraphrase what I said. But essentially what I was trying to say was that they had no business being in the discussion. No business whatsoever. I caught a lot of heat for that. I had basically the whole state of Michigan running me down. I had one of my homeboys running down on me. And I'm saying to myself, what did I say that was wrong? They're not that good. They're not that good. And then you look at the bowl record. Three and seven in bowl games. So the typical counter argument to this stance would be. It's just, you know, it's just bowl games. It's a small sample. What about the whole season? Well, for me. I've been saying much of the season. I don't think many of their teams are that good. Then we look at these bowl games. I think the best performance came in the loss. Penn State, you know, as, as much as it pains me to say because I liked Ohio State, Penn State might have actually had more business being in the championship playoff than Ohio State. Penn State had the best performance of the entire Big Ten in bowl season. 
Oh, what about Wisconsin? We won. Y'all played Western Michigan in the Cotton Bowl. Y'all played basically what amounts to an at-large getting in because the rules said they had to get in. Because if it wasn't for that rule, Western Michigan wouldn't have been in that game. We know that. We know that. Ohio State didn't even score a point in the college football playoff semifinal. They didn't score a point. Michigan got completely dominated in the first half against Florida State before Florida State's defense ran out of gas because the O-line couldn't block like they haven't been able to block all season, exposing their defense upon multiple possessions to the point that Michigan had to eventually break through because they're not a bad football team. Of course they would break through, but they had no answer for Dalvin Cook. And And the beat goes on. The top two teams... The top two teams in the playoffs had a total of six quarters where they looked like Basuda. I'd say seven quarters because Michigan really didn't show up until the fourth. They had seven quarters of Basuda football. Iowa got smoked by a Florida team that could barely score. Florida put up 30 on them. 30. Florida couldn't score against Florida State. And they put up 30 on Iowa. All these, all these highly ranked teams. And I was saying it, and you know what? I sounded like a conspiracy theorist, but you have to be logical people. College football and all other major sports is a business. They know what sells. They know what makes money. The Big Ten has a lot of heritage programs. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. That's as, that's, that is as heritage as it comes. Iowa fringe heritage program, of course. Wisconsin. Wisconsin has kind of been putting the Big Ten on his back over the last 15 years. They've had a lot of good teams. They've represented the Big Ten in the Rose Bowl. You put them in there. Yeah. Michigan State was down this year, but then you still had a Nebraska lingering. So you have all of these heritage programs with large fan bases. Yeah, let's rank them highly. Why? Because that brings in viewers. Nobody wants to think that way. Everybody thinks that their team is good and Jarvis is a hater and out the sports, you know, outlets are haters. No. Florida State was better than most of those teams all year, even with their embarrassing loss to Louisville. Even with their tough loss to North Carolina, those teams are simply better. Florida State played one of the toughest, excuse me, Florida State played one of the toughest schedules all year long. Clemson has been one of the best teams all year long. It's no accident. That they ran through Ohio State. It's no accident that they're facing up in a rematch against Alabama. It's not an accident. The Pac-12 had better teams. It's sad that Washington had to be the team to, to play Alabama in the conference semifinals. Because their style of play. If you're going to play power football against Alabama, you're dead. You can't outpower, you can't out-physical Alabama. Alabama's Achilles heel is spread read-option teams. Those teams put up points at will against Alabama. And then it forces Saban and his, his offensive coordinator, who's now Steve Sarkeesian. Ah, Jesus, I've never been able to say his name right. Steve Sarkeesian before was Lane Kiffin. It forces them to get creative. When they run up against these high-powered offenses. Or they flat-out get beat. That's why the Clemson matchup was a... uh, It's appealing. Clemson, if you ask me, Clemson gave the game away last year. 
You saw what Ohio State did to them two years ago with their spread option offense. You see what Texas A&M does when, you know, or if it Texas A&M is another team in the Big 12 that gives them problems. Auburn, or Auburn has a talent, gives them problems when they have the right pieces in place because they spread the field, they play fast. But then when you watch it play LSU, who has all of these top flight recruits coming in, they, they're dead meat because they can't out-physical them. When Ole Miss gets rolling, Ole Miss is another team that gives them problems because they play a spread and speed style of offense. If you have speed and you can spread the field and get those big burly players that Nick Saban loves in space, you have a chance to win. But back to my point, I've gone, you know, you see what happens on car sessions, I go on these tangents. But what I was trying to say is, long story short, is that these teams in the Big Ten... While they were not completely trash, they were overrated. If anything, Penn State was underrated. I know A. Rich would love to hear me say that. But based on what I saw just last night in the in the Rose Bowl, they were always good. I have to put respect on their name. But they're better than what I thought they were. I underrated them, but I lumped them in with the rest of the Big Ten. For Ohio State to go out there and put up a donut on a t- on a Clemson team that was solid on defense, they weren't world beaters on defense. Deshaun Watson and the offense has been the calling card of Clemson. For them to go out there and score nothing, overrated. Michigan looking like amateurs. Oh, oh, our best player didn't play. I was starting secondary for Florida State was was hurt. We didn't have <laughs> we had second and third stringers in the secondary. And I, but I, what I was trying to say to certain people was, you're not gonna out physical Florida State if you're Michigan. They tried, but when it was all said and done over a four quarter sample, Florida State had more to give. They got tired on defense. Like I said before, they ran out of gas and allowed Michigan to play the field position game because the Florida State O line has been trash all year. But if it, well, when the O line does get a block. They had no answer for Delvin Cook. Much of the game, they couldn't move the ball in that defense with second stringers in the secondary. These are not accidents. Iowa not being able to score against Florida in the Stouts defense, that wasn't an accident. That's a product of the Big Ten being what the Big Ten is. Outside of Penn State, a lot of those teams, they are what I thought they were. I'm sorry. Y'all could be mad. I don't care. It is what it is. The, the proof is in the pudding. Three and ten in out of conference games. Three, excuse me, three and seven in out of conference games where you had a chance to show that you were the best conference in the nation. Blah 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 blah. Best conference in the nation, please, please. The ACC been the best conference outside of the SEC. Matter of fact, let me take that back. The big, the excuse me, the Pac-12, ACC. SEC were the three best all year long. They didn't have the storylines or the heritage programs to attach for ratings, but those were the best conferences all year long. The bowl results support that. I'm sorry. It is what it is. I saw Terry Bradshaw out here saying that. This is an old story, but I wanted to talk about it. The Pittsburgh Steelers head coach, Mike Tomlin, is 
not a great coach. He needs more like a cheerleader. Just being disrespectful. And this is an all-time stealer great. Now, you know what? Like much people have said, Terry Bradshaw is a four-time champion. He has every right to say whatever he wants to say. Whatever he wants to say. He can say it, and I'll have to respect that. He's an OG for that franchise. But it's everything that there's a disconnect. For you to say a man who's been eternally successful as Steelers head coach from the time he walked in the door. Having the respect of his team. You'll never hear coming out of the Steelers locker room that, oh, it's, it's unrest. The players haven't played for Tomlin or anything like that. Tomlin went from being a power football head coach and adjusted to his personnel and had the Steelers as a high-powered offense going for two, doing all of these things. That is a telltale sign of a great coach in any sport. There's a lot of coaches who fail in sports because they want to play a certain kind of way regardless of personnel. Then there's the all-time great coaches who coach to the strengths of their personnel. If that doesn't tell you off the rip what kind of coach you have, then you're a fool. Or you're just disconnected. And I believe that that's the case with Terry Bradshaw. There's a clear disconnect from what he's seeing with the Steelers and the inner workings of the Steelers and what it actually is. Mike Tomlin is a great coach. Yeah, he might come off as a cheerleader to you, but that what he does motivates his players to run through walls for him. What he does allows the Steelers to be live almost every season and contend for a championship. He's been to two Super Bowls as a head coach. Off, was it two, two times in his first three years as a head coach, he was in the Super Bowl. He's won multiple divisions. He's had them in contention almost every season. They're in the playoffs again this year. He's a great coach. Is he a master tactician like a Belichick? Absolutely not. But is he a great coach? Is he great at what he does in terms of motivating, galvanizing, and adjusting to the personnel of his team? Yes. Yes. So, Mr. Bradshaw, do your research. Do your research. Get in tune with the inner workings of your former team. You're an ambassador to the Steelers. Never forget that. Do your research before you get out here and you talk crazy. And last but not least, before I get out of here. Ended up sticking around with y'all for a half hour because I'm long-winded. When you have sports conversations, I hate when a sports fan says something that he wants to pass off as fact and doesn't want you to debate it. Doesn't want to, excuse me, he doesn't want to debate it with you. So he slides on or he slides in a phrase that burns my blood and makes my blood boil. And that phrase is, in my opinion. Oh, I think if a team does X, Y, and Z, they'll be better off, in my opinion. So what you're trying to do is saying, by saying that's your opinion, that that that, that's, that leaves you clear of a counter-argument. No matter how wrong you might be, you just want to get your feelings out there without dudes arguing with you. You're not low, bro. You're not low, girl. You're not low, sports fan. We peeped the game. You want to get your point out there without a counter-argument. And trust me. I peep it and I completely ignore it, but but I loathe it in my opinion, in my opinion. I really do that. And the only time I use in my opinion is when it is my opinion. More often than not, when I speak to people, I try to talk facts. In my opinion makes me sick. 
But ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. A little mini rant to end the first car session of the new year. I'll be back with a playoff preview later on in the week. Until then, peace. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.